Seinfeld, the pitch, and Seinfeld, the ticket are over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are crazier than Joe Davola. I'm Rob Sestrini. Here's Akiba Winokur. Akiba, how are you? Uh, good. Can you spell Winokur, Rob? <laughs> yeah. Uh... I write it enough. Is it W-I-E-N-E-K-U-R? Oh, you were so close. E-R-K-U-R. Oh, okay. Because you tell me not to pronounce the R, so I have eliminated it from my brain. Yeah, that's actually, that's good. Maybe nobody should pronounce the R. That's all for the best. Yes. Uh, As long as Mike Moore, our Seinfeld podcast recapper, knows how to spell it, that's all that matters. Uh, yeah, I don't really. I, I just had a friend uh, for like 20 years just like email me before and he misspelled my name. So I'm not offended. Yeah, no, people constantly misspell my, uh, my last name, too. So we are in the same club. We are two peas in a pod and we are ready to talk about one of the major moments in Seinfeld history here with the pitch and the ticket. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of memorable moments in this episode. Uh, it's certainly not considered like a classic episode because it's sort of. Uh, it's not really self-contained. It's kind of just setting up the rest of the season, but there's a lot of famous moments and interesting things that happen in this episode. Okay, so we're going to talk about it all here today. Plus, we'll take your emails as well as we get started on the road to the season finale where we will see the Jerry sitcom actually recorded. Uh, yeah, in a scant like four or five months, we'll see that. Yes, yes. Okay, Akita, how are you doing this week? I'm just getting over the Zayn Malik leaving One Direction, but in general, I'm good. Yeah, that joke is going to be a couple days old by the time this podcast <laughs> goes up. It may be old in internet time. I think it was old by the time I, I said it, you know, two hours after it happened, probably. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, what will be the bigger departure, uh, Zayn from One Direction or Larry David after season seven of Seinfeld? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've never heard a One Direction song, so can I get back to you? I'm, you know, I'm more of a believer, Rob. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's get into uh, some Seinfeld news from this week, Akiva. What have you been hearing? Uh, yeah, the word on the street is, or the talk of the town <laughs> is, um, so remember we discussed the uh, the episode uh, that was uh, banned or was cut in the middle, the episode of the yes, bet or the, the gun. Bet. So, uh, and that, of course, to remind people was uh, they had a joke about Elaine buying a gun to protect herself and she made a Kennedy assassination joke and they cut it. They cut the whole episode. Okay. So that episode was considered the lost episode. Um, But actually this week, you know, 25 years after the show has come out, we have uh, more news about another lost episode. Another lost episode. Yes. Okay. What happened? And uh, this is in the New York Post, so you know it's true. (laughs) Uh, And it, it. it's actually just contained in an article about uh, the uh, what's it called? Kimmy Schmidt, the unbreakable, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the Netflix unbreakable. show, uh, which I hear is great, but I haven't seen it yet. I hear it's so so. Oh, really? Yes. The, the, a lot of a lot of people on Twitter raving about it. Mm, I thought it was just OK. Oh, you've seen it. I, I watched about four episodes of it over. The you weekend. just said I hear. See, I heard <laughs> you actually saw. <laughs> yeah, I hear from me that it's so so. <laughs> OK. The voices in my head are saying yeah. that it was a five out of ten. I thought right, this so was fun. So now is, is good, but I feel like uh, after uh, after an episode or two, I feel like you get it. Well, we have very similar TV tastes, so I think if you don't like it, I'm probably not going to like it. Yeah, it's cute, but I feel like it's not something that you need to see every episode. I hear you. Anyway, um, to me, so, I felt like it was a little web series. 
Oh, really? It would look cheap. It didn't look cheap. I just like it didn't feel big to me outside of the pilot. Didn't they film it for NBC and then NBC didn't want it. So they put it onto Netflix. Yeah. Fine. So anyway, the uh, so in the in the article, which which I guess is talking about how they deal with race um, in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, it mentions, you know, Seinfeld's race issues. And it mentions they did that episode. Jerry chose not to run. I choose not to run. That's right. There was, there was, um, you know, and, and obviously Seinfeld has a lot of well-spoken about race issues. Um, most pronounced probably the Puerto Rican Day Parade, uh, which is the very end of the series, uh, which is, you know, not even shown in syndication anymore. Anyway, uh, the episode in question here that was also banned, or at least the joke was cut. You know, you never know at the New York Post. They're never clear. Um, there was a joke in the episode uh, here, I'll, I'll read the whole uh, sentence here. NBC censors let Jerry and Larry get away with whatever they wanted. One of the few exceptions was a proposed episode in which George got in trouble for observing, I'm assuming at Monk's, you know, I've never seen a black person order a salad. Hmm. So I think in this case, I think the censors were probably, uh, you know, on the right track. I think there was, you know, it's not a fun, like we discussed last time. Uh, it's it has to be funny if it's gonna if it might offend people and that's not an especially funny joke yeah uh, and it doesn't really make sense like is that true I feel like it doesn't really make any sense mm. um, so probably the censor was right there but anyway I thought it was interesting that I feel like every week even 25 years later we're getting some kind of tidbit of news about the show and was that an episode based on this phenomenon that George has experienced uh, again it, the New York Post never does any sort of <laughs> delving <salad>? deeper <laughs> They never, they never sort of do any background. So my guess is they just cut the joke in let, right. Unless this was like in the big salad, maybe. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know. Whoever's writing this article is not, you know, a Seinfeld expert. I'm sure they, you know, they're just, uh, you know, repeating something that somebody told them a few years ago. Yeah. Very so I, I don't know if it was a whole episode. Okay. So anything else in the news this week? that's about it i think um one major you know lost episode for uh, per week for uh you know for the show is fine okay well we have a lot to get to of course here in this episode because we have two shows to cover for the second week in a row uh yeah i think uh we're, we're really working overtime here you know the, we have uh this is kind of like in the middle of a marathon or a triathlon if you will because uh next week is also the wallet and the watch which is kind of a double episode uh and then, you know, maybe we'll take it easy after that. We'll do okay. one episode per week. All right. There you go. All right. So let's get into this because we got a lot of Seinfeld to talk about. Of course, uh, this episode starts off with some stand up from Jerry talking about Colonial Williamsburg and other places that you could visit and the idea of taking your kids to go see the Amish. Um, a couple things uh, here. Akiva, have you ever visited Colonial Williamsburg or observed the Amish? I think I have, but also don't they, they have some sort of uh, like uh, thing that they take all like elementary school kids to on Long Island. That's, Old that's similar to that. Yeah. Old Westbury. That's right. I'm, I knew you'd know what I was talking about. I also hear that place sucks. Uh, like Ann Landers. <laughs> Just like Ann Landers. <laughs> uh, was she, was she alive during like the, the like the 19th set? She probably was. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's the worst trip. Like when you're a kid and they say like, we're taking you to like, uh, grant park or whatever you know uh rock i forget eisenhower park or something that's like the best trip and when mm-hmm. and the year there's they say we're going to old westbury that's the day you want to stay home yeah for the most part old anything is not where you want to go 
Uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, the, the, like I just, it was terrible, you know, and now it's at least more pronounced like back then, you know, because now it's like, what, they don't have iPads and whatever. Now it's like, oh, whatever. They just don't have a television. <laughs> yeah. Just for people who don't know what we're talking about, it's almost like, you know, it's not medieval times. It's like colonial times of like, oh, it's like, oh, you're, you like go to a house and they show you like, oh, here, this is where we make butter. I remember one time I went there to Old Westbury and then my job was I was like uh, cutting up the uh, turnips in half to feed to the animals. It's like they just like have you come in and do like child labor and then they call it a field trip. And then tomorrow a new bus full of kids is going to come there and do half the work. Should we call the authorities on them? I don't know. I don't even know if it's still open. Hopefully not. Hopefully it closed a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. It's got all that field trip money coming in. Uh, yeah. I mean, how much? Like, how much are these schools really paying for that trip, though? I don't know. I think they don't even feed you lunch because what would they feed feed you? Like a boiled potato? I feel like this should have been like the sixth season of The Wire, where they go inside uh, Old Westbury. That's not a bad idea. Do you think they have like that in in Baltimore? <laughs> probably. Probably. Like we get to see what the people, the farmers are doing when they're not working and like, uh, you know, uh, doing all sorts of the drinking and stuff like that. Corruption. Yeah. And then and then like some of the people are hiding out there so the cops can't find them like Snoop is a, yeah. is a reenactor. Greasing the politicians uh, to keep that field trip money coming in. Uh, I feel like the lawyer is somehow making a profit on this one. Certainly. All right. So I'm not sure why this piece of stand up is in this episode, though. There's nothing that comes up about Colonial Williamsburg, right? Uh, um, no, the only thing I could think is uh, they start talking about the Civil War here. I get well, that's a boy. That's a stretch. Yeah, that's the closest. I mean, listen, he has a lot of stand up. Not all of it has to be connected, I guess. But this is probably the biggest stretch we've had so far. OK, so. George and Jerry are talking and uh, they are discussing toilet paper in historical context. And George wonders what they did for toilet paper in the Civil War. I feel like any question about what they did with toilet paper, you know, more than 100 years ago is probably best to like not explore. Right, right. I think George ends up having like a lot of questions that could be just solved with uh, Google. Like just he could have been like searching these things. Uh, have you ever Googled, like, what did they do with toilet paper during the Revolutionary War? I have not. I'm Googling. I'm on Wikipedia right now looking at toilet paper. And what they say about toilet paper on Wikipedia is that modern commercial toilet paper originated in the 19th century with a patent for a roll-based dispenser made in 1883, which is 30 years too late for the Civil War. Oh, boy. So, I mean, what they they use leaves? I don't know what they, <laughs> I think they had uh, probably a handkerchief, right? I don't, I mean, I really don't know. I, again, I really never like ponder these things. I mean, you once went like five or six weeks without toilet paper, uh, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, I guess you guys used like leaves or something, well, right? You had more privacy then. You had more pri. what, in 1860s no, or, or? in 2003. With cameras following you around, you had more privacy? Yeah, because they leave you alone. I mean, you weren't like in like a, battalion with like a hundred other guys yeah i guess that's true i i feel like that's that's probably one of the worst parts of uh you know like joining a team mm -hmm. is you know like the bathrooms you go to like an away game the bathrooms are you know they could be terrible that could be terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so they're talking about toilet paper in historical context and some guys from nbc come over yeah they were probably just scouting him out yeah and they watched jerry set they really like the show one of the guys names is crespi uh, is that C-R-E-S-P-I? Yes. We get this introduced 
that George is great at spelling people's last names. Uh, which we later find out he's okay at spelling pe- he's okay people's at, last yeah. names. Yeah. He tries to get the other guy's last name and Jerry's like, George, all right, go, let's let these guys talk. And so basically they enjoyed the set and they want to do something with Jerry. Yeah, I feel like every comedian, there's a lot of meta jokes in this episode, right? Yes. And every comedian in the 80s and 90s that had any modicum of fame. And again, Jerry's just been on The Tonight Show. Um, and I believe it's not this first time because, you know, he's he's referred to Carson before this. You know, every comedian worth his salt had a deal at uh, one of the three major networks. Mm-hmm. And so these guys want to do a show with Jerry. And so we get to let's go to the diner. And uh, Jerry and George are talking about what they're going to do the show about. He just starts pitching him uh, ideas. There's a little bit of talk about, you know, George working on the show with Jerry. And Jerry is like, well, like, why are you qualified to make a show? And, you know, he says, look at all the junk on TV. One of George's themes is like in this episode is like, you just need to have a show and it's on TV and people will watch, which was basically true then. Yes. As also demonstrated by our must see TV podcast. Yeah. I mean, if they could air, if they could throw on, you know, Carol in the city, they could throw on anything. Yeah. So what do you think of some of George's ideas for other potential Seinfeld shows? Uh, Jerry coaches a gymnastics team and he has a son but the son doesn't want to do gymnastics. What do you think? I mean, I do. It's actually an interesting idea because there's never been any kind of gymnastics um, show, right? Or really, there haven't been a lot of gymnastics movies even. Okay. And you think so there's some originality there, but I, I think there's no premise. Like, even if he cares, like, what, what's the big, you know, what's the big draw there? Yeah. Gymnastics isn't for everybody. Uh, my daughters love gymnastics. Okay. What do you think of this idea? What if Jerry runs an antique store and then every person that comes to the store, Jerry gets involved in their lives. Yeah, antiques are very hot nowadays. They used to be hot. Uh, I think they're, they just came back in like last <laughs> week. Now, Jerry says, no, it shouldn't be an antique store. It should be a pharmacist because pharmacists, they know everything that's wrong with you. Um, yeah, I think uh, George, I mean, has decent ideas. Um, but what, what would the show be called? Like if you're an antique, you work in an antique store. And you're sort of people's like uh, life coach. What do you think of in with the old? Or does that sound in like you work? In a, it sounds like you work in a nursing home. Yeah, it does. It it does. Mm. Let's see. Is there anything you could do with antique? I don't know. Now, if let's let's say it was Elaine and not Jerry, and so then then you like it was a play on like the aunt, or like her name was Teak, and it was oh. like antique. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Now you're onto something. No, I think we got nothing. So we're going to go to Jerry talking to Kramer and Kramer has ideas for a show. And basically Kramer pitches to Jerry. So look, you're the manager of the circus and there's all these freaks. And it seems as though Kramer is pitching Jerry on making American horror story freak show. Yeah, I have not seen that yet, but this is a decent pitch. Like the problem is it's very expensive. Yeah, you got to find freaks. Yes, I think it's also hard to do a freak show as a multicam sitcom. That's true. This would probably be, well, didn't, do you ever watch Carnival? Yes. So that this is a little bit more of that speed. So here comes Newman and Newman is here to make a trade with Kramer. The trade is a motorcycle helmet for a radar detector where Kramer is getting the helmet. Newman is getting the radar detector. Uh, yeah. So who wins this deal? Okay. Well, on paper, seemingly it's Newman winning the deal because the radar detector is more valuable than the motorcycle helmet, but that is presuming that the radar detector works. 
Uh, that's correct. I mean, the motorcycle helmet looks especially junky also. Yes. Um, what do you think about the revelation that Newman had a girlfriend to which the motorcycle belonged to? Yeah, I think this is non-canonical. I think he probably swiped it or maybe fished it out of a garbage can. Yeah, and according to Newman, his girlfriend was pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. <laughs> Jerry speaks to Newman when Kramer walks out of the room and he says, uh, you know, I don't think this is a fair deal. I think you're ripping Kramer off. And he says, okay, don't say anything to, don't say anything to Kramer. And Jerry's like, I won't say anything. And then Kramer walks back in the room and Jerry says, uh, I think you're getting ripped off. Uh, yeah, he, he says you're getting gypped, which is funny because I feel like it's the last time anybody said the word gypped. <laughs> like when you ask me later, what's the most dated part about this episode? I'm going to say <laughs> the word gypped. Spell the word gypped. Uh, G-Y-P-P-E-D. Wow, you're a regular George Costanza. That's impressive. Yes. So they go back to Monks. Jerry and George are still talking about what to do with the show. And according to George, did you know salsa is the number one condiment in America? Uh, I, I think he made that stat up. Yeah. I mean, salsa is more popular than ketchup. Uh, impossible. <laughs> How is that possible? It, it's not. Um, as we established last week, uh, Heinz ketchup is very popular. Yes. Okay. Although, according to uh, some stats here, maybe George is right. I'm looking at an article. Again, uh, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, salsa outsells ketchup as American tastes change. When is this article written? 2013. Um, I find that shocking. Yes. But Think about, uh, do you know anybody who doesn't have ketchup in their house? Hmm. Like probably like, like some bachelor guys. Right. But they don't have anything. Yes. They probably don't have salsa either. So I have no salsa. Do you have salsa in your house? Mm, not at this moment. I right. have the only way I would ever buy I salsa have is if, in my house. You do. So you have seltzer. I also have seltzer. When like grandparents come, they love seltzer. No, I love seltzer. Seltzer is my drink of choice. Salsa oh, I, is not know, my condiment of choice. Right. I think this is like a true. Uh, this is a true match because I also really like drinking seltzer. Yes. Because I trick myself that I'm drinking something other than water, which doesn't have any taste. But I don't like drinking calories because I'm fat. Yeah. Okay. So. Again, according to the New York Times back in 1992, ketchup. Long the king of American condiments has been dethroned. Last year, salsa took the condiment crown, outselling ketchup by forty million in retail stores. That is shocking. So, but you know what it is? The salt. Like if you ever t- let's say you you bring salsa and chips to a party, right? Yes. You're never bringing the salsa back because people are dipping the chip. They're double dipping the chip, and it's getting gross. So, and the things come. Salsa usually comes in a much smaller, um, you know, uh, container or whatever you right, call it. Right. So you're saying that you buy ketchup, it lasts for, you know, uh, a month, two months, maybe three months. Sure. And salsa, it's good. Once you open the jar, you got it like a a week tops eat that salsa. I would say most of the time salsas are open. They're also discarded in that same sitting. Yeah. Just you could throw that out right after. So I think people use ketchup way more often. They're just it's just keeping them. It's like the sugar that lasts you you know, for like a year because of the serving size are small. So I, I, you know, I, I maybe believe that more salsas are bought, but people use ketchup more than salsa. That's for sure. Fair enough. Okay. So they talk about how this should be the show. Akiva. Should well, that be the, the show? Are, like our discussion or their discussion. I feel like it'd be one hell of a podcast, but I'm not sure that the salsa versus seltzer should be the show. I mean, maybe one episode. I don't think it could be every episode. That's for sure. 
Okay, well, they're talking about what they should do with the show. And apparently this is based on the actual conversation that Jerry and Larry had in 1988. Yeah, you can feel that a lot of these conversations were real inside jokes between Jerry, Larry, and maybe some of the writers. Yeah. And so George says uh, there's a character named George. There's a character that's Kramer. Uh, There's a character that's Elaine. Uh, Why is Kramer so against having a Kramer character, though? Probably the real Kramer was against it. Uh, yeah, I think this is really coming straight out of Kenny Kramer's mouth, that he was so weird that he couldn't appreciate, you know, having a, a Kramer. Yes. It is amazing that they were able, like, no no lawyer nowadays would let you keep the name of a guy who's not, like, officially participating in the series. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they probably paid him something at some point. Right, and of course, his name did not start off as Kramer, so maybe he signed something after the pilot. It was Kessler. Way back when. And so when he didn't used to leave the apartment, does Kenny Kramer leave the apartment? He does because he does those tours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he still does those tours? Oh, like, yeah, is I, there really? I believe he still does those tours. Like, does he do them every day or when people no, sign up? I actually know this because um, when I did the reality game masters, do you know what that is? Uh, yes. You, yeah. Yeah. But you, I guess explain it for the audience. Yeah. So what we did was uh, two years ago, we did an, we had an idea for something for Rob as a podcast, which is the reality TV podcast that I do. And we had uh, three people from the show Big Brother and three people from the show Survivor and they played in a game of risk and we did it sort of like at like a black box theater uh, in in Manhattan. And that was where we filmed the show. And that just happens to be the same place that the Kenny Kramer bus tour leaves from. And it's only on Saturdays. And I'm not sure if it's every every week. Like it might just be like once a month. And people are still doing it like he's paying the bills with that. Yeah, you could still you could still do the uh, Kenny Kramer bus tour. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd do that if I was, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not I, I, when I'm in New York, I'm not a tourist, but I, I don't think that would be really be on my agenda. You wouldn't do that. I feel like it would be fun to do that. Yeah, maybe ironically with a bunch of Seinfeld fans. Yeah. OK, so here's it. So it leaves from the producers club uh, and it's at Saturday. So I guess apparently it is every Saturday. Uh, on sun and Sundays on select weekends. Uh, how much is do you think is a ticket on the Kenny Kramer bus tour? Just from the tone of your voice, I'm going to go high, Rob. I'm going to say forty five dollars. Forty five dollars. You are too high. Okay, that's not bad. Thirty yeah. five. Higher than thirty five. It's uh thirty seven fifty. All right. I mean, for New York City, that's not insane. Yeah, not bad. And I don't know how long it is. Um and. <laughs> So they say from this is what quotes are from people. Uh, Larry David said, uh, just like on the Seinfeld show, our doors were always open. I'm not sure if he said that about the tour, uh, but I guess I he did think, say that. Uh, I would bet a billion dollars that he's not been on that tour. Yes. Uh, Rudy Giuliani said, uh, I congratulate Kenny Kramer, the real Kramer for starting this valuable entertainment and cultural adventure. <laughs> I think his office sent him a form letter saying that. Yeah. And that being said, that is officially now the new most outlandish thing Rudy Giuliani has ever said. Is that number one? Yes, that's number one. <laughs> uh, uh. And finally, uh, the third testimonial is from Kenny Kramer himself. Of course, I'm the real Kramer. Who else would have thought of a scheme like this? I like that he's promoting his own thing. Like it, you should add a quote on Rob has a website.com from yourself saying, Obviously, this podcast is great. It's me. Yes. Um, 
interesting also on the kennykramer.com website in addition to the bus tour that he runs every week of the actual locations in the show the headings on the website are homepage reality tour media slot um and when i click on media slot it is uh because there's so much coverage of kramer uh that he had to uh put it on two different web pages I think in 2015, most people's private uh, websites, like personal websites, are depressing because they haven't been updated in 15 years. Oh, everything yeah. runs through social media now. This is a, a lot of them website. don't work. It's a horrible website. It has a click counter on it. Oh, boy. That's, that, those were the days. At KennyKramer.com. What, what is the click counter at? Yeah. Akiva, do you think we could get the real Kramer on this podcast? Oh, it, it, we should get him <laughs> on right now, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that that's, that should be on the podcast bucket list. Yeah, but I think he may charge. I, I oh, feel he's like he's charge. I, well, how much is he going to charge? I feel like I feel like he doesn't do anything. For he's free. a media slut by definition. He's not a media prostitute. That's true. But I, I mean, maybe he media you know. slut by definition means he gives the media away to just about anybody. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Why can't it be us? Does he have a Twitter account? Uh, his website was invented before Twitter, but I guess you have to probably search on Twitter for him for uh, Kenny Kramer. And uh, let me see what comes up on Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't know if the real life Kenny Kramer is on Twitter. Let us know. Uh, so if, send us an email if uh, if you know if he is or not. Yeah, so uh, it's a, it's a it's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. All right, Akiva. So that'll be a, a fun project for another time. Wait, Rob, Rob. Yeah. I just, I mean, there is a at real Kramer that says Kenny Kramer that links to his website. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got 94 followers and hasn't tweeted since 2013. That sounds about right. And his last, his last tweet was to uh, John Boehner. <laughs> Why do you get into a fight with, uh, with John Boehner? Well, a fight would imply that John Boehner was, uh, was dishing back. <laughs> He said something about the Tea Party. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Um, most recently in 2014, Kenny Kramer uh, is trying to sue the uh, comedian Fred Stoller. Oh, really? Yeah. For what? Uh, now Fred Stoller is a guy who was a writer on Seinfeld at one point. I think he makes a couple of appearances on the show. And yeah. that he says that uh, the episode, uh, this is from the... Uh, from the court case, um, he says that Fred Stoller stole the line. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And wh- why is he suing him now and not 15 years ago? I don't know. I don't know. And why uh, is he suing Stoller? That's weird. Like I, I, he must have some sort of agreement with uh, Larry and Jerry that he wants to stay away from them. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. And so that's what he's, that's uh, what, what he's up to. Right, so maybe we can have him on to talk about the case. Well, I don't know. Maybe his lawyer. I'm sure he's got a you know a big money lawyer is going to tell him not to not to talk to the press. Okay. Um, yeah. So he said that uh, he's trying to sue uh, Fred Stoller for one million dollars. No word on if he's being represented by uh, Jackie Childs. <laughs> I was going to make up a different name for Jackie Childs. Oh, <laughs> the Kenny Kramer equivalent of Jackie right. Childs. Jack Childs. I'm sure he went. I'm sure he went like big guns. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So, all right, where were we? So, it, it's a show about nothing, Akiva. I can't believe we got so sidetracked during such an iconic moment in the show. Yeah, right. So, they're pitching so about nothing. Uh, G- George is really into it. Jerry's not buying it. 
But I think as the scene goes on, you see Jerry buying into the idea a little bit more and more. Yeah, it's a show about nothing. And do you feel that Seinfeld is truly a show about nothing? Uh, no, I, I think it's about how is how, uh, you know, objectively, how much different is Seinfeld in its um, sort of essence from a show like Friends? Hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I think that what people fell in love with with Seinfeld are the moments that are about nothing, but very, you know, wild things ends up happening to this group of four people over the course of the series run. Right. I mean, there's right. And of course, uh, the first few seasons are way more about nothing than the last few seasons. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, even this, like this episode itself is, would be a major plot on any show. Like the main character is going to have a show on television and they're taking you through it beat by beat. Like this more than anything is a, is an episode about something. Jason Alexander in the inside look was very sour about the, this idea from the beginning. And then it seemed, he seemed to warm to it. I would say Jason's inside looks are way more interesting than anybody else's. Yeah. He, he can be very critical. Um, you know, his, his, uh, his thoughts on uh, Heidi Swedberg or, or Susan, which I don't know if we'll get to today, but we'll certainly get to later on this season or in season seven. Uh, were really the most noteworthy thing that happens in all the inside looks. Uh, and he, you know, he is not afraid to criticize the show. Again, the show's over by the time they're doing the DVD stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, he really doesn't mind taking some shots at the show. But he does say here, even though he thought it was going to be a big mistake to go with this, you know, pitching a show within a show, he's, he realizes he was wrong right away. I mean, these are good episodes. Yeah, but he does say that he thought he thought that it was a bad idea because it was supposed to be a show about nothing. It's things that happen to you in your everyday life. And this is not something that would happen to people in their everyday lives. Uh, yeah, which is funny because on the sh- right on the show, he's also the one who is uh, who is, you know, really backing the nothing idea. Yes. OK, so the show about nothing is born. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, right. Jerry's warming up to it. And then he goes back and he pitches uh, pitches Kramer the idea. Okay, so let's go back to Kramer where Jerry's telling Kramer that, hey, you'll be in the show. There'll be a character based on you. Yeah, and also I I feel like Kramer doesn't like, you know, he's so unique that he doesn't want, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't want. Would you want somebody playing you in a sitcom? Yes, you would. Yes. I mean, I I guess as opposed to you acting, which I don't know if you you have any acting chops. Do I have the choice? Yeah, you're it's your um, pilot and it's about you. Are you playing yourself or is like uh, who would play you in this pilot? I think I would play me if it was the show, if I was the main character. But you're not an actor. Neither is Jerry. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would be your worst case? Who is the nightmare? Like the studio says, all right, we're picking up your pilot, Sister Nino, but you can't play you. Who, who would be your nightmare? Uh, you know, Rob TV, Rob. Hmm. I would probably have to say. I don't know. I don't know. Like who's somebody like Bill Cosby? <laughs> well, that would be a pretty, I mean, that would be a weird casting choice, but <laughs> I, mean, I was going to, I was going to say any of the four characters from Entourage, any of the four characters from Entourage. We're going to play me. Yeah. Like let's say E from Entourage is playing you. I don't know if, if he could pull that off. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Do I? I mean, like, you're probably a foot taller than him, but yeah. um, 
what if it was Turtle from Entourage? I think I that he like, could pull it off more than uh, than E from Entourage. You think you're more of a turtle than an E? I think. Well, I'm gonna hope that maybe he. Uh, what's the guy's name? Jerry Ferrara. I think he maybe yeah. has some range. I don't know. I mean, I, I hate all those guys, but that, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think Turtle. I mean, what about if it was Johnny Drama? Would that upset you? I, Kevin Dillon is gonna play me in a movie. <laughs> I mean, who? I, I don't know. Like, it's tough. Who's who is who is playing? What if what if Boston Rob played you? Boston Rob played me? Yes. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I mean, I mean if you're just casting people who aren't even actors, I don't know why I can't be me. I mean, l- listen, the studio want, you know, sometimes the studio has weird uh weird notes. They wanted Susan to be J- George's wife, you know, just on the fact that uh, she's in this one throwaway scene in this episode. She basically gets to be on the show for another, you know, million episodes. Okay. I guess so. If somebody has a good casting idea for Rob's pilot, also let us know in the comments. Okay. So anyway, we find out that Newman has gotten a ticket. Uh, yeah. Newman gets uh, the first of many speeding tickets. And, uh, and he's, he also says that, uh, that uh, Newman, Newman also says he's not coming to Kramer's party. Yeah. He's not coming to Kramer's party. And he says that the radar detector may have been defective. I mean, how bad of a friend are both Kramer and Newman, who are ostensibly friends with each other, that they're each trying to rip the other person off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no honor among thieves, Akiva. Yeah. I mean, these are really like, I mean, Newman is a lowlife. Like, let's not get this wrong. Yeah. Newman makes, you know, Jerry and George and Kramer look like angels. Well, look at the lengths that he goes to in the court case to avoid the $75 fee. Yeah, he's. I, first of all, I love that he's like just as cheap as George. I mean, he really does. Like, he probably spent half that much in gas. Like, he was driving all the way to Jersey somewhere, right? Yeah. Kramer says there's no guarantees in life, Newman. Uh, there. Yeah, there are no guarantees. Well, there is one guarantee that Newman is going to try and like you know, uh, like shade his way out of the situation here. Yes, but did you know that Newman was such a big believer in karma? He says this karma, Kramer. Uh, Jerry says karma, Kramer. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Kramer has bad karma. Uh, yeah, it's good thing he doesn't have the Kavorka. Yes. Now, does Kramer's bad karma show up? Yeah, I think uh, without question. I mean, he, again, he has good and bad karma Is in this episode. Is he getting episode. kicked in the head by Joe Davola? Is that the bad karma that he brings on to himself? Well, I would say that's really not good. I mean, he gets a severe, like almost a traumatic brain injury here. But wasn't it good karma that he was wearing the helmet? I feel like I feel like uh, you know it, it, he's even Steven. Like he's got the bad karma of getting the, the uh, TBI, basically, and the good karma of having his life saved by the helmet. Okay, all right. So let's go and see George and Jerry at NBC, and we're going to see uh, George very nervous. Uh, yeah, George. I, I think at the, I know people. I don't know if you know people like this who can't deal with success, like. You know, things are going bad, whatever. They're fine. The second something turns good, they sort of run away from everything. Yeah. And, and so, that's what George is here. All right. We're going to go and see crazy Joe Davola for the first time. Well, right now he's just Joe Davola. He's just Joe Davola, but he walks through and he's totally creepy from the get-go. Yeah, he, I think this actor is actually really good. Like, he really plays it like he's a lunatic from the start. Yes. And so Joe Davola... He is going to the same shrink as Elaine. So not everybody knows Joe Davola's whole backstory. 
Yeah, I would say the HIPAA laws were not really in full effect here. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that, oh, crazy Joe Davola. Like, he goes to the same shrink as Elaine. He's on medication. He's this, he's that. Like, they know a lot about what is going on with Joe Davola. Yeah, I mean, crazy people do tend to tell you a lot about them if you listen. Yeah. Right? They'll say, like, I'm on, you know, this and this medicine, and I go to, you know, doctor, whatever. But uh, it is weird that they all know this. Like, does he go right before or after Elaine that, that you know, Word gets back them. It's a little strange. Yeah. And so Jerry makes a huge error here that he says to Joe Davola, so I'll see you at Sunday night at Kramer's party. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the worst thing you could ever do. I mean, first off, how does Kramer know Joe Davola? Listen, how people know other people are totally contingent on the storyline. Like, we are introduced to this character as he is a writer that Jerry knows. We also find out that he goes to the same shrink as Elaine. And he's close enough friends with Kramer that he's just going to a party at Kramer's house. But George doesn't know him. Yeah. <laughs> right. All that is uh, makes sense in the Seinfeld world. Right. I mean, remember with the, from the parking spot also, like there's another guy everyone knew really well except George. Yeah. All right. So Crazy Joe DeVol is like, what, what? Kramer's having a party? And Jerry like immediately, no, no, nothing. It's nothing. Have you ever done this, Rob? Have you ever mentioned a party or something uh, to someone who wasn't invited? I'm sure I have, but I can't think of a time that I did that. Or has somebody done it to you? Uh, probably somebody's done it. Both things. Yeah. Yeah. What, wait, what's that? What's going on? Um, oh, that would be a dream to me. It's like, oh, I would have had to go to this wedding and I don't have to go. That's like, oh, my God. I need to send these people a gift. That's funny. Uh, so Crazy Joe Dolo walks away and uh, Jerry says, give my best to Hinkley. Right, I think that's an assassination joke. Yes, uh, he tried to assassinate Reagan. Okay, so uh, did you like all the posters at NBC? Yeah, I, I do. They had a lot of, uh, did any catch your eye in particular? They did have a lot of cool posters Blossom, in the back. Blossom poster. Uh, yeah, I, were you a Blossom guy? Um, I watched it. I, would, I don't know if I would call myself a Blossom <laughs> guy. I don't know, I guess what would make you a Blossom guy? Like, you weren't, you weren't like blogging about it, I guess. You didn't it was have a the, t-shirt for Blossom, yeah. No, you I, had I mean, a I guess T-shirt. I, no, I didn't. I, I would be a Blossom guy. I remember a lot about Blossom. That uh, her brother was Joey Lawrence, and and um, he would say uh, his catchphrase on that show was "Whoa!" And yeah. then uh, there was she had a brother who was like an alcoholic, and then uh, she had her Six. best friend Sex. Yeah, that lived next door. Not to be confused with another girl's name, Seven. Yep, we're gonna meet Seven soon. What's the uh, I, I feel like Joey Lawrence's fall from grace is as big as anybody's in Hollywood. Like he was a really big deal. Really? I think you're um, overstating Joey. Lawrence. I feel like he was a big like teen beat guy, but he was never like a superstar. Right. But the, but like Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement, he was a really big deal. Yeah. But he was a kid. So like he didn't even look, you know, I'm sure whatever he looks like now, as same as Macaulay Culkin is different than when he was famous. Joey Lawrence was a little older. So we already had like the. You know, because sometimes like the kid from boyhood, like sometimes you could start a kid when they're young and they might end up looking like not a movie star. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Joey Lawrence was like a, a grown adult by the end. So and he, I think he was a big deal. I'm pretty sure he was like really famous. I mean, he never did like a movie. No, it was very, it was much harder back then. If I, I mean, remember even correctly. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, even JTT did a movie. So you were you were a JTT guy, not a Joey Lawrence guy back then? I mean, I don't know if I'd call myself a JTT guy. I didn't have a JTT t-shirt. 
<laughs> is that you need the t-shirt i mean i guess joey lawrence still has Did you time. have the jtt t-shirt I, it, well, is the th- I think it's just JTT shirt. I think it was called. <laughs> no, I was uh, I was. Uh, what was the older brother's name? Like Zach or whatever. I liked. I I liked. We'll save this for the home improvement cast or the Blossom cast. Which one? Well, I don't. Yeah, Blossom cast that, for sure. Okay, so Jerry and George are getting ready to go in, and George is saying like, not to be nervous. Like, uh, who are they? Who are they? These people? Uh, and. Jerry is, uh, you know, really going along with it. Yeah, that's right. Who are they? You're you. Yeah, you're. You think you're. You're, you're just as good as them. And Jerry's really giving a good pump up speech here. Yeah, he's like, you think so? Nah. And Jerry says no, and then it's kind of a weird scene, right? Like they open it from like Jerry and George are looking in. It's it's not like a a shot we've seen on Seinfeld. Yet. Yeah, it's like a Jerry and George POV shot when they walk in the room, and it's intimidating. Yes. Um, they'll also do this later, I think, uh, in the second part of the episode where they start talking about how much money they're going to make. And it's sort of like the reverse of this where George is talking about Ted Danson. And uh, we'll get to that when he's like, uh, who is he? He's he's better than me. <laughs> yes. 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 You're worse. worse. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of my favorite scenes. I love that. That's great. All right. So we're in with the executive. They're just having a good time and they like Jerry's stuff. And uh, Warren Littlefield. Uh, who's going to be a recurring character from here on out, uh, wants to know if George has written anything. Well, uh, Russell Dalrymple, you mean? I'm sorry. that he's Warren, the, Warren, he's be right, based on right. Warren Littlefield. He, he's the real Warren Littlefield. Russell Dalrymple, yes. Yes, or Bob Balaban, I think, in uh, real life. That's right. And so George has written uh, La Cocina. Right, so, right. so they're, they're just, uh, you know, chatting away. And uh, right, George does what he does best, and he makes up a lie for no reason. Yes, and I do love it on Seinfeld when one of the characters throws another one under the bus, and even though it's clearly um, to Jerry's own detriment as well here, and right. he says, hey, "What was the name of the chef in that mo- in La Cocina?" <laughs> like right. he's improving with him, but George is not an improver, and it's it's like uh, right, it's like let's say it's a lie. Are you getting yourself fired? Just for your own kicks, I don't really get George yes. Jerry's strategy. Pepe is the name of the chef. Why would Susan think that he actually cooked on stage? On stage, also, like, what a weird question. Yes, no, they Susan's mimed a weirdo. It. They mimed it. Yes, well, she has a very odd background. Yeah, I, one of the things about Susan is like we find out like later that she's like exceptionally rich, but nothing about her is rich until you know. I mean, she's got a good job. But like nothing about that is true until like they need it to be true. Yeah. Why? Because she wants the $18. I mean, some people are just cheap, but just anything we see from Susan this season, like does not, you know, she's only rich when they need her them when they need her to be rich, like when they need her to have a summer house and that sort of thing. Yeah. Jerry starts off and he starts the pitch and George interrupts him and he just takes it over completely himself. Uh, yeah, I do like like they haven't even established to the people in the room why George is there. Like they asked Jerry for a show. Yeah. And now here's this nobody schlubby bald guy coming in. Yeah. And he's telling them what's what. Well, George really like horns himself in like, you know, it was one thing where Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David worked together and Larry David had some credits and he was on S- He worked on SNL and he was at least a comedian where George is nothing. He is uh, talking about a show about nothing. Like he's not even a writer or in the entertainment industry and he's going to, you know, co-produce this show with Jerry. Yeah. How did the like, let's say he told them ahead of time. How did the call go where Jerry's telling some secretary at NBC, you know, oh, George is going to be in the room with me. And like, oh, is he a writer? Like, uh, 
you know, he's an unemployed real estate guy. Yeah, he could just say, you know, he's my writing partner. Right. And I guess, I guess, yeah, they, they you know, they'll take his word and they'll let him in the room. But I, Jerry's uh, pump up speech got George so riled up here. <laughs> he he's just out of control. Up. He's too pumped up. And he's going on and on and on about how it's a show about nothing. The show uh, yeah, is about but, nothing. Right. I mean, does that, does that happen? Like you start the pitch, they don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think so. You can have a pitch with somebody. It's like you want to have a meeting and then it's like, hey, well, what do you want to do? Um, and then you pitch about the show that you want. And you might pitch like two or three ideas. Yeah. And, that, and George also guesses Russell Dalrymple's name wrong. He gets it wrong. Yes. And he's way off. And anyway, so he gets into like, hey, what did you do today? Uh, and, you know, they answer. And he's like, hey, that's a show. Right. You read on the you read on the subway show. Yeah, that's a show. You're reading on the show. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a great line where Russell Dalrymple uh, says, well, why am I watching this? <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite line from this episode. Yeah, because George says, because it's on TV, which was true back then. Yes. And Russell says, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then so George says, yeah, you know what? Maybe this idea isn't for you. Yeah, maybe the folks at CBS will love it. They they really like trendy sitcoms like yeah. this. And he st- basically storms out and says that he has artistic integrity and this is the show and he's not changing it. <laughs> he just storms out of the meeting. Like, this is insane. Yeah. And the button on the scene is that Jerry says to them, uh, so how about this? I manage a circus. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't pick that, that up for like five seasons, the circus idea. Yeah, American Horror Story Freak Show. It happened. All right. So let's go back to the diner. Jerry and George are talking and uh, this is like Jerry goes on a very funny rant about George, about what came over you. You should be seeing you don't need a psychiatrist. You need a team of psychiatrists in Vienna. Yeah, my friends and I always used to say this to each other when like someone was acting weird, like you need a team of psychiatrists. You're you know, you're crazy. Yes, that they need to observe you and have meetings like they did with the elephant man. Uh, but not the pig man. They didn't have any meetings about the pig man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jason Alexander plays this scene kind of funny because he's very sheepish. Um, like He doesn't deny anything that Jerry is saying, but he's just sort of like, uh, just says like, uh, I thought the woman in there was kind of cute. Um, yeah, well, jo- George is falling in love. Yes. And Jerry is just like becoming incensed. Uh, yeah, because he screwed up his whole life. Like this was like, if you're if you're you know a stand-up comedian in in the city, like this is your your you know the absolute apex. Like NBC is coming to you and offering you a sitcom, and this schmo has has messed it up for no reason. He shouldn't have even been in the room. Yeah, and he's gonna go call the woman. Jerry thinks it's a bad idea, and then they end up fighting over the payphone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jerry is right here. Like, you don't call the executive after one meeting. How does he even get her number? Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how he has her home phone number. Uh, Jerry, of course, is trying to call Kramer because he needs to let him know the crazy Joe Davola knows about the party. Yeah, and and we know George has no boundaries with these people because he just shows up at Dalrymple's house a few episodes from now, you know, when he checks out her daughter, his daughter. Yeah, so he knows exactly uh, where all of the executives live and what their phone number is. Maybe she was listed. I guess she's how not that Susan famous. How Rosses could be in the phone book? Oh, there might, it's New York City. There could be dozens of Susan Ross. <laughs> Maybe he called all of them. Okay. Uh, that I would not put past him. 
All right. What do you think in these two episodes of Elaine and the psychiatrist in front of the backdrop? Yeah. So it's worth talking about that for a second. So, of course, Elaine, as we discussed uh, in the trip episodes, uh, she was uh, had just given birth. So she's not really available. I'm guessing they film these scenes probably, you know, uh, you know, together, like at the very beginning uh, of the of the shot or maybe the very end of, uh, you know, and they sort of shoehorn them in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're short enough that they don't bother me, but there's, it's a little weird. Uh, you know, they're just trying to get Elaine involved as much as they can by having the doctor be uh, crazy Joe DeVola's doctor. So they don't bother me. Do they bother you? That they're just so odd that they're just sort of like really shoehorned in there and they're almost identical scenes. Like, I don't even think you needed both of them. Like, I think that they wanted to get uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus in both ends of the episode, right? She's in the top and the bottom. But yes. She has the same exact scene both times that she's with the psychiatrist that she's kissing him and they're in front of some landmark. Uh, they're in Rome and one in Paris and the other. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, it's just my patient that I'm thinking about. Like he doesn't have his medication. And both times Elaine's like, well, what are you going to do? Hey, hey, we're on vacation. And like the scenes are nearly identical. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. And they are in different episodes. Probably it's it's all it all comes down to, you know, Jason Alexander was so mad when he got cut out of that one episode. They probably didn't want to mess with the, you know, the main talent. And they probably said, like, let's just film these. Uh, They don't really add anything or take anything away. You could have had the whole episode without this scene without cutting another word. Right. Yeah. I wonder if this was sort of an add in because Jerry says, oh, Elaine is away with her boyfriend who's the psychiatrist. I bet he's not giving Joe Davola his medication. And so, you know, Jerry is able to guess exactly that. So I wonder if they're like, okay, we need to just like figure out a scene for Julia to be in. Uh, what if we say, see her with a psychiatrist and he talks about how crazy Joe Davola doesn't have his medication. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on that. I think, uh, I think that's probably it. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe she was annoyed and was like, Hey, like I can do something. Like, well, put, put me in something. Uh, but yeah, she I mean, mention it in the inside looks, neither does anybody else. No, I mean, there's not much to talk to Julia about about these episodes. Um, she's about to be, ba- you know, back full time. Uh, I'm surprised she wasn't just fine just sending these out. She's getting paid anyway, probably. Probably. Okay. Unless she wasn't getting paid, and then maybe that's why she wanted to be in the scenes. All right. So here's Jerry and Kramer at Jerry's house, and Jerry reveals to Kramer that he blurted something out about the party, and Kramer says about. Uh, crazy Joe Davola. He's like, I don't want that nut in my house. Yeah, if if uh, Kramer thinks you're crazy, you're really crazy. You're really crazy. Okay, this is altogether a great scene. So here comes Susan for the first time, uh, and Susan, uh, I guess the actress who plays her, thought that she was going to end up being Kramer's love interest. Yeah, this is really interesting. So you don't notice this when you are watching, but it, once you see Heidi Swedberg talking about this, if you rewatch the scene. She's clearly, you know, showing interest in Kramer. She gives him like a really big hello, like she's flirting with him. Hi. And I, I think she she said it was just because she missed she overheard a producer conversation, and she thought she would be uh, Kramer's girlfriend and not George's. Yeah. Okay. So then Kramer starts uh, opens the refrigerator and takes out the milk. Meanwhile, Jerry gets on the phone. This is such a great scene where yeah. the, he gets a, a phone call from TMI Long Distance. Yeah, I don't think TMI meant anything back then. Yes. Okay. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean too much information, but it's ironic that that's what it's called here. 
and he wants to know about Jerry switches his long distance and Jerry says, oh, I'm, I'm busy right now. Can I get your number so I can call you back uh, later on tonight? And the guy didn't want to give out his number uh, and he asked him, why not? He's like, well, because you don't want people calling you at your house. He's like, well, now you know how I feel. Right. I mean, it was, this is a little shoehorned in, but it's also like a classic scene and Jerry gets like a long standing ovation for hanging up on the telemarketer. Yeah, absolutely. And so Kramer, you're drinking that milk and the expiration date was September 3rd. The episode aired on September 16th. Right. So I, I you sometimes with the milk, do you ever, do you ever test the milk if it's one day over? I'm scared if it's the day. Yeah, I think if your fridge is cold, the day is fine. You won't get sick if it's the if it's the day. I mean, you'll be able to taste it right away. You wouldn't just drink a whole thing of milk. You would know immediately if it was bad. Yeah. And so why is Jerry keeping two-week-old milk? Is he from the L.A. trip? Well, he went on the L.A. trip in August, you know, according to if we're assuming that the timeline of the episodes is, you know, uh, is is connected to the timeline of of what's going on in the show. Yeah. All right, so I'm not sure why Jerry has uh, two-week-old milk. Yeah, especially like such a big cereal eater. He should be having milk every day. It's a little weird. Yeah, you would think so. Okay, so it does not agree with Kramer, and he goes ahead and pukes on Susan, and we see it like Kramer's POV. Right, we don't see the puke. Uh, but We just hear about it in a second. Yeah. Um, Jerry and George go to the diner, and they talk about how uh, they never saw it coming. She did. Uh, Susan saw it coming. She saw it coming. All right. So anyway, here comes Kramer and uh, he has a story. He's been injured. Uh, Yeah, this is like another, you know, Kramer. A lot of times it's show, not tell with Kramer and, you know, coming in with the helmet, you know, you're in for a ride. Yeah. I uh, a little yada yada Jerry and George talking, but they both are feeling like the show is dead now that Kramer puked on Susan. Right, and he compares it. He, <laughs> he also has a weird line about vomiting, and he says, "If Hitler had vomited on Chamberlain, Chamberlain still would have given him Czechoslovakia." Yeah, uh, yeah, he'd still give you half of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Crazy Joe Devola kicked Kramer in the head and said to Kramer, "That's what I think about your party." <laughs> wow, he really wanted to be invited to that party. Now, did the helmet make Crazy Joe Devola kick Kramer in the head? Or was Crazy Joe DeVolle going to kick Kramer in the head no matter what? And uh, he just happened to be wearing a helmet? Or did Crazy Joe DeVolle see Kramer was wearing a helmet and said, oh, I can kick him in the head and he won't get hurt that bad? Well, we did learn uh, very briefly in the first meeting at the NBC office with Crazy Joe that he knows karate. He does. So, I mean, maybe he's good at head kicks and he wasn't anticipating the helmet would block the kick. So that's his move. That's, that's his I mean, that's his move. go-to move, the head kick. Yeah. Okay, and Crazy Joe Devola told Kramer that Jerry is next. Uh, yeah, but like, what did Jerry do? Jerry didn't do anything. <laughs> Jerry actually ratted on Kramer. He should be happy with Jerry. <laughs> Although Jerry did lie. Like, when he said what party, he's like, oh, there's no party. He did lie. Like, he tried to take it back. Yeah. <laughs> what Jerry should have done, if he, want, you know, if he knows Devola's crazy, he should have said, oh, Kramer told me to invite you. There's a party on Friday night. You better be there. Yeah. And then it's Kramer's problem. It's not Jerry's problem. It's a surprise party. Well, the only the only thing is then, you know, he's got to be at the party with Crazy Joe. But, I, you know, I, I feel like that's the way out of it. If you're ever in this situation in real life. OK, so they are all at the table and there's a 
point where they say that it's Elaine's fault because she took the psychiatrist on vacation. Right. And then Kramer goes to drink the, uh, the, um, not the milk. Creamer. What's it called? The creamer. The Cosmo creamer. Yeah, that's or right. And the Kenny creamer. Oh boy. And they're all, they're all, uh, they're all nervous that it's going to be spoiled. It's going to vomit all over them. Yeah. George smells it and it's okay. And that's the end of part one. That is the end of the pitch. Um, Akiva, do you r- rate these episodes separately? Yes, I, I do. I wasn't, I didn't know when I did the rankings at, at the beginning of this podcast, when, uh, if we do the pitch and the ticket together. So I rank them separately. Okay. They won't be too far apart. All right. So you, will you give us both at the end? Oh uh, yeah. Let's do both at the end. Okay. Let's get into the ticket here. Uh, of course, we get a little bit of some stand up at the end of the pitch where Jerry's talking about there's no Hallmark card for I'm sorry I vomited on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could just get like a generic one and write I'm sorry I vomited on you. But yeah, I I'm feel sorry. like mo- I don't like if you vomit on me, I want something of substance. I don't want a, a card. I never want a card. I always feel ba- like do I, I hate getting cards because like I'll like my birthday is the 26th. And I will throw them out on the 27th. And my wife will like want to keep them, you know, basically forever. Um, but then she makes it seem like me throwing out, you know, birthday cards that people mailed to me or whatever is is rude. But I mean, I took the money out of them or whatever they put in it. Yeah, I don't know what to do with the cards. Like, I have like boxes of cards that I feel bad to throw them out. But I just now they're just like I'm like hoarding greeting cards that people have given me. Well, I'm giving you permission to throw them out. I think I think one week. One week, you're fine. You're fine throwing them out. Wow. Well, what's going to happen? Like someone's going to come over. It's like, hey, where's that card I sent you? Let me see it. That's never going to happen. No, I feel bad. Like Christmas cards too. Like every year, like you get like a bunch of holiday cards from people, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what do I do? I just pack them up with the Christmas decorations. I feel bad to throw them out. Right. I mean, if you, are you going to display them the next year? No, because you get new cards, right? Yeah, you get new cards. So I just don't know what to do with them. I will say. You know, one of the good parts, uh, if we're if we're judging Hanukkah versus Christmas here, uh, no cards on Hanukkah. Yeah, I know. You don't have to make like the big card and send a picture of your family wearing earmuffs or whatever. Akiva, please, that uh, <laughs> you, no more taunting me with all of the uh, benefits of uh, of of your religion, because I've already I've already told you that uh, that there's many many times where I'm very uh, jealous of. No, none of this traveling in in December, the worst time of the year, and buy a million presents for people. Oh, we'll get to the bad part soon. Don't worry. A, we'll, we got the press episode man. coming up. You're a lucky man. Yeah, we'll get to the bad part soon enough. Yeah. Okay. This next episode, the ticket starts off where Jerry is looking for the remote control, and Kramer has his pants leg on uh, only one leg. Uh, yeah. And remember, Kramer just had a pretty serious concussion not too many episodes ago. Yes. Is this sort of head injury? Would this fly in 2015 television? Yeah, I think you could have a head injury. Um, they would probably just have to address it a little bit differently, um, you know, or or they could turn it into like a bunch of football jokes, maybe. So did Kramer pass the concussion protocol? I mean, Kramer's concussions have been insane. Like he mixes up people's names last time, like days afterwards. And this one's absurd. Like sometimes you'll hear about a football player to concussion and he'll say, oh, I couldn't drive to work that whole week. But I've never heard anybody say I shaved half my face and I put a pants, my pants on one leg. Yeah. And you never heard like Wes Welker yelling like, yo, yo, ma. <laughs> I mean, no, uh, not, uh, you know, I, it, maybe he keeps it under wraps, but I, this is a pretty serious concussion. Like he really should go to a doctor. Okay, so 
we find out about the dry cleaning bill that we got from Susan. It's $18 and George doesn't want to pay it. I mean, if you're really, if you're going out with somebody and it's the very beginning of your relationship, uh, you should, probably shouldn't be giving them bills for anything. That's right. That's right. So uh, George wants everybody to chip in. I mean, I'm surprised George doesn't, you know, make Jerry and Kramer split $9 a piece. I'm surprised he's willing to put in six. Yeah. Uh, and this is when Kramer blurts out, yo, yo, ma. Uh, yeah, they really should just rush him to the doctor. I mean, he's about to answer the phone in Italian. Yeah. Um, according to the notes about nothing in the script, it said for Kramer to answer in Swedish. Uh, but he didn't know Swedish. I don't know. I think that Michael Richards just made up whatever gibberish he wanted to. Yeah, but I mean, I think he is speaking. You don't know any Italian, do you? I know a little bit, but I didn't pick up on what he was saying. Yeah, it's probably nonsense. Okay. So anyway, NBC wants another meeting with George and Jerry. Uh, yeah, which was good because they thought they were done when uh, Kramer threw up on Susan. Yes. And so they want to know how much money are they going to get for this? Uh, do you think that <laughs> this must have been based on a real conversation, right? Oh, no question. They must have been paid nothing for the pilot. Yeah, you would think so. Um, George's hoping it's going to be 40K. Uh, no, I, I think he even says like maybe 50, maybe 60. Like he's, you know, he's got big hopes. Yeah. They want dancing money. They want Ted dancing money. Because Ted dancing makes 800,000 an episode. That was a lot of money in 1992. Yeah. Do you think Ted dancing uh, pissed these guys off? No, I think he's just the biggest star in the network. So they're joking. I mean, there's a lot of dancing jokes. They really run uh, throughout the whole series. Um, I think it, we know that uh, we know that Larry has a relationship with Ted Danson, right? Yes, that's true. So, so I, I think they like I think they're pro Danson. Yes. OK. <laughs> anyway, um, they talk about that Ted Danson had a hairpiece. Uh, yeah, they're obsessed with who has a wig and not. <laughs> and, and it's also worth mentioning that the money conversation amongst a lot of other things in this episode is a running line throughout the season, like how much money they're going to make from the pilot and that sort of thing. Mm hmm. All right, so we end up seeing Jerry and George on the street. They're going to head to NBC, and Jerry is annoyed with the watch that he's wearing. His parents got it for him. He throws it in the garbage. So pretty, I'm also, you know, as you know, I'm in the, in the camp of throwing stuff in the garbage if it doesn't work, uh, and, and like ha having as little stuff as possible. But if you have a watch that's not working, there are watchmakers that'll fix your watch for not so much money. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not like a holiday card. You can't just toss it in the garbage on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw, in your, throw it in a drawer and don't use it if you really don't want it. Yeah, that did seem a little odd. So anyway, here comes Uncle Leo. And Uncle Leo is talking about he ran into his friend. What's his friend's name? Oh, Uncle Leo's friend? Yeah. Did you, did you catch that? I, I, uh, I didn't write it down, but he's a pajama guy. Pajama guy. And he says, uh, re remember uh, that he used to get the pajamas from that guy. And sometimes Uncle Leo gets too hot. And so he sleeps in a T-shirt. I thought Uncle Leo was going to tell us more than we need to know. More TMI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Danny Barma. Yeah. And so um, Jerry says, look, Uncle Leo, I really got to go. And Uncle Leo says, hey, what do you think? I don't know people in Hollywood, too. <laughs> of course, I'm sure, you know, if his son's a big wig in the parks department, I'm sure he knows all the, you know, the major studio heads. Yes. Um, and so Jerry and George get out of there. But Uncle Leo takes the watch, which is going to set up things we're going to talk about soon. Yeah. Not the last time Uncle Leo takes something that's not his in the series. That's right. All right. So Newman, and this is where most of the story in part two of this episode is going to come from. Newman and Kramer go into court. Newman shows up at Kramer's door and says how Kramer's his alibi. And 
he's get you know starts ranting and basically says you wouldn't even be here without the helmet without me you would cease to exist yeah i mean he does owe him he's got a point and it's also amazing that Cra- that newman had the foresight to uh discuss the suicide the second he got the ticket mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well uh very smart play on the despicable newman uh, yeah, you know, he's faking he's faking it at the scene. He's already got his plan in place because usually you think of something after like, oh, I should have said that. But Newman's got one chambered. Yeah. All right. So we're going to end up seeing where uh, Jerry's going to do some stand up about people that wear helmets or why we have to wear helmets. Yeah, I mean, it is a, I actually like the stand up. It's funny, but uh, like it doesn't totally make sense. Like, should we also not wear seatbelts? Like, should we or should we just not use cars according to this logic? Oh, look at you, Akiva. Um, but I, I actually do think it's one of his better standups. I do like the idea. Like if people came down, they'd be like, you know, aliens came down from space. They'd say, why are you, uh, you know, why don't you just avoid the activities altogether? That's kind of my philosophy. I don't know about you. Like, that's why I don't want to go skiing because yeah. you're just asking for it. Yeah. The only thing I'm doing where you have to wear a helmet is if I go in the batting cage. Yeah, but I, that's that's really, you know, you, I, I think you're safe there in you the batting so? cage. Okay. I was always nervous I'd get like a stray, you know, like a knoblock fastball to the head. <laughs> like I'm sure those she- those machines have malfunctioned before. Probably. Yeah. And do you really go to the batting cage like that often still? Uh, sometimes. I, I feel like a it's a very Long release. Island activity. Uh, there's a good uh, batting cage that's over here. It's batting oh. cage and uh, mini golf. Oh, are you a mini golfer? Yeah, I like that too. Oh, I, I love the mini, mini golf. Mini golf not as good on the stress release. Uh, no, I mean, I guess you could hit the ball really hard, but you won't be good at mini golf. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> you're really like pissed off about something like a uh, batting cage is a good place to go. Well, it's not good for me because I'm just whiffing. That's even worse on the stretch. <laughs> no, even that's fine. That's fine. You're just swinging the bat fast. Yeah, it is good to make contact. though. Yes. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to Jerry at NBC. He's complaining about Uncle Leo. George is saying that he didn't shave. Um, yeah, George looks odd here with the couple days of stubble. I wonder if they're like, oh, we need George for a scene and he hadn't shaved yet. Like, is there a reason? Was he doing a part that day in something like why hasn't he shaved? No, I think that he well, that was part of the story because they're yeah, both talking right. about different things. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, they're both so self-absorbed in whatever's going on in their world. And so uh, Mr. Seinfeld, they want to uh, bring them in. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's nervous the whole time. Like Leo's going to tell his parents. Yes. And so they go in there and, uh, we'll see more about, uh, the second part of the pitch, uh, after we see Newman and Kramer hashing out what they're going to do. I thought this was very funny. Yeah. Because it was so Kramer's going in and out of sort of lucidity here. Yeah. And so why did Kramer want to kill himself? Right. So they've got a few ideas. The yeah. first one, of course, is great. No air conditioning, which yeah. makes sense if, if you've ever no been in a really hot apartment. Yeah, Kramer said, have you ever been in a room with no air conditioning? Uh, and Newman says, yeah, he sleeps every night in a hot room with no air conditioning. Uh, he doesn't want to kill himself. And Kramer says, well, I have slept in a room with no air conditioning. I do want to kill myself. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the banker idea you know, that he never became a banker is is more realistic. But I, you know, I do see like Put yourself in a room with no AC on like August 3rd and, and you'll, you know, you'll believe this. Yeah, but that was very funny also that he wanted to be a banker. Yeah, and who knew? Like, it seems like that's actually a real thing. It's amazing. What, that some people really want to be a banker? No, that Kramer really wanted to be a banker. Oh, as I say, like a Monopoly, sure. 
No, I mean, and people want to be, you know, I don't think they don't really call it bankers as much nowadays, I don't think. But I, I do think, um, you know, Kramer doesn't seem like the Wall Street type. Yeah, he's a wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> I guess so. I, I mean, I thought he wanted to be a bank make- teller. I thought that was what he really wanted to be. No, I don't think he wanted to be a bank teller. I think that's what they were going for. He wanted to be a bank teller. He said that his in court, he said, uh, my father picked me up and he said, Sonny boy, that's going to be you one day. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, okay. I mean, I guess, you know, that was his dream. I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> Why? Don't you think that makes it funnier? Yeah, I think that is kind of funnier. I didn't catch it, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, I think he wants him to be a, a banker. Okay. So let's go back to Jerry and George at NBC and George has done a 180 and he talks about how they need story on the sitcom because without story, it's just masturbation. And by the way, do you notice it's very funny he's bringing up that word because it's a word they will famously not say uh, later this season. Yeah, very funny. Uh, I don't really get what he's talking about, but sure, we'll go with it though. Right. Okay. Right. He's just backtracking on what he said before because now he's like, oh, I screwed it up. I just, you know, I want to get the gig. And, you know, I've got no more artistic integrity. Yeah. All right. So they want to show to be like an EKG, Akiva. Uh, Yes. You have your highs and your lows. Um, I I guess, you know, I mean, do you want lows on the show? I don't know. But this show is going to be like a heart attack. It's going to be like a coronary. (laughs) Coronary. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we're going to go back and see the police officer testifying I thought that the police officer's testimony is very funny because you could totally imagine Newman like groveling and, and freaking out. Oh, yeah. You could definitely see him like tackling the police officer on the floor and telling about his friend. And Newman's a good liar. He's probably a better liar than the rest of the gang. Yes, because um, he is extremely despicable. Yeah, right. He has no there's no line Newman won't cross. Jerry definitely has lines he won't cross. Kramer you know, does Elaine does George. It's hard to tell, but Newman will, will go over any line like the other characters. I think the difference between Kramer and the principal four is that the principal four like try to convince themselves. They're a good person where I feel like Newman is the one of this group that knows he's not a good person. And right, he knows really he's a bad try guy. to hide that he is a bad person. Yeah, he's bad. I mean, the, the, like the character, uh, you know, the, the actor himself, you know, call in one of the early inside looks says, yeah, he's Newman is evil. Yes. So um, he, we know where he would be in Seinfeld heroes versus villains. Uh, right. I, well, I, there are very few heroes. I think this is a, it's just villains versus like people who are even more villainous. Yeah. People that are apathetic. Who would be a hero? Who would be on this hero, this hero team? Who would be on the hero team? Um, Jay Peterman. Okay, like all the bosses, you think? Like uh, George Steinbrenner? Like, or any of the parents? I mean, George's parents are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry's mom is, is innocuous. She's fine. Yeah. She's pretty good. Uh, Manya. Susan, I, like, I put Susan on the villains. Uh, you know, Susan's parents. Like, who is, who is good? Like, mm-hmm. is, is Babu good? No, he's, like, annoying. He is a very, very, very good man. Poppy is bad. He pees on the couch. Like who is, I, I don't know if there's anybody who's redeemable really. Keith Hernandez. I mean, Hernandez, like Hernandez just has people do all of his dirty work for him. Like he's neutral. Hmm. What about the Virgin? She gets really annoying. You're going to get sick of her. 
I mean, the bubble boy is, is the worst. Yeah, he's bad. He's evil. Uh, the soup Nazi is a Nazi. Like th- there's yeah. really almost nobody who, who is a good person here. Yeah. So in the meeting, uh, we're going to see Russell want a copy of La Cocina. Uh, yeah, he wants, which is amazing. Uh, why doesn't George just say like it was unscripted? Isn't that a better answer than the moving company has not heard the last of him? But yeah, that that's like and that's impressive to them because they're like, oh, he's an improver. Like, that's great. Yeah, he's improving right now. Yeah, but but Russell does say he wants to go into business with them, which is good news. Yeah. So they want to go in business and they're going to be in business together. And it's all on Susan's judgment call. And Susan, we're going to find out has bad judgment. Well, she's got bad judgment in that she's sleeping with one of her essentially an underling uh, or will be soon sleeping with an underling, uh, you know, um, which is probably not a good idea and eventually gets her fired when she's outed. Yes. All right. So Newman is on the witness stand and he's talking about how he did charity work with the blind and he was playing Parcheesi with an old blind man. Um, and anyway, he gets to the point where the he got the phone call from Kramer and he had to go ahead and race home. Yeah. How did Kramer find him at this at this like home for the blind? Uh, that I don't know. I guess he you know, knows. How do you find goes. anybody back then? There, there's no like there's no way he would get the number. Yes. Yes. Um, he ends up just calling him and Newman has to leave. And so uh, Kramer is also like blurting out Yo-Yo Ma in the courtroom. Yeah. The idea of Newman doing charity is highly unlikely also. Yes, of course. But uh, it's all part of his lie on the witness stand. Uh, we're going to go back to see Jerry coming out of the pitch meeting and he has a phone call and he's like, uh, who, could, who even knows that I'm here? And it's Jerry's mom. Yeah, this is a great this is a great scene. And speaking of people finding, you know, like, how does Jerry's mom get the number for like a random secretary at NBC? But this is amazing because <laughs> Uncle Leo already reported back that Jerry was rude. Uh, yeah, I do like also that Jerry's parents almost always side with Uncle Leo over Jerry. Yeah, that's right. And so we see Susan with the dry cleaning with George. Um, you know, it's only $18 and George hands her the money, but George can't believe that she took it. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did offer a couple times, but I, I think Susan, you know, for $18, someone you're doing business with, I mean, maybe... Especially since Susan knows she's about to jip them, no offense intended, on the, you know, on the uh, actual, you know, the money they're paying them, which is going to be very low. So it's not like these are two loaded guys. Yeah. All right. So speaking of the money that they're going to get paid, we see Jerry and George in the diner and they are going to be getting $13,000 total. Uh, yeah, which is I thought they were, you know, what, what would you get? Like, I guess, who knows then? What would you get now to sell a pilot? I mean, I think it depends on how established you are. Right. But what's like the bottom? I mean, $13,000 uh, seems low at that time. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think you if you were getting $0, you still take it. You have a chance to be making a lot of money. Right. I guess. Right. I guess that's the idea. Like they're they're not going to rob you. They're going to give you something. But it's one of these things that people will basically do for free. Yeah, and I think that TV is a thing where once you've been established, then you make your money. Like, they're not going to pay you a lot of money to write your first thing. Right. Well, once it gets on the air, you you know, you have agents and people negotiating deals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, give yourself some extra producer writer credits and you make a lot of money. Like anything, um, it comes down to how many people want your services. Uh, nobody else wants the Seinfeld show. 
Right, that's true. They are bidding against nobody. Yes, so it's a very low bid. Right, but it's going to get lower uh, by the time the deal is signed. Yeah. George wants to know why they're not making Ted Danson money. George says this is insulting. Who is he? Who's Ted Danson? He's somebody. Yeah, well, why him and not George? Well, you're a nobody. (laughs) He's a nobody? He's good. You're not. (laughs) He's better. He's better than George. (laughs) He says you're worse. Much, much worse. Yeah. All right. Hey, is that crazy Joe Duvall outside? Right. And he says, uh, then then they're super afraid of crazy Joe Duvall. And I can't tell. Is this like the day, the night? You know, now it looks like the day, but 20 minutes from now, it looks like it's dark outside. Right. All right. So here comes a police officer. He sits down. Uh, Do you recognize this police officer? Uh, No. Who is he? Well, he's best known as Tackleberry in the Police Academy films. Oh, I've never seen any of those fine flicks. Yes. Okay. So, (laughs) um, Jerry is telling the cop about how he's scared. And the cop says, okay, well, hold on. Let me just get a muffin. Uh, Yeah, he wants wants a muffin. And, uh, you know, what is the protocol? Like, if you're a... We established last week we know very little about police officers, or I do at least. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what like what is the protocol if somebody's like I feel like this is not a safe situation for me can you walk me outside to your car but this guy is clearly off duty or at least taking a break yeah like uh, is is the cop supposed to just walk you out mm, I think that he, he's still like if the police if there's police duty that needs to be done I don't think the police officer can say hey I'm on break right now Right, he wouldn't be in his uniform if he was if he was like completely off. I think. I think so. I think you could be like out, like getting a getting coffee or something like that, but still working, but not like off duty. Right. It's not like he's asking for some heavy lifting here. He's just asking to walk him to a cab. Yeah. Okay. Um. So now Jerry comes back to the table and he sees that the police officer has a menu. Uh. Yeah. So now we now we went from a muffin. Uh. To you know, it's a sit down meal at this point. Hmm. And so he's like, uh, oh, look at him. He's ordering food now. It's going to be a while. Yeah. So this is very funny. Jerry goes over to the cop and he says, uh, so what are you doing now? I thought you were ordering a muffin. You got hungry. Yeah. Oh, so just all of a sudden now you get hungry. You got a problem with that? Like, what were you? Was he going to get into a fight with the cop? <laughs> yeah. And he says, uh, you know, a muffin can be very filling. <laughs> yeah, I like that line. Yeah. And then it, it when he goes back to the table, um, he says it to George also that the cop is getting food. And George says, huh, you know, a muffin can be very filling. He said, that's what I said. <laughs> it's very funny. I love I love that line. Okay. Uh, Kramer on the witness stand. Akiva. Tell us how Kramer does. Right. So, again, we don't know, like Kramer is going in and out of his sort of, you know, lucid state here. So while he was following what Kramer was saying, uh, what Newman was saying before, at this point, he is uh, he is off his, uh, you know, he's he's in the bad zone. Yeah. So and- Newman, who's uh, who's his own attorney, which is always a good decision. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to pay an attorney to get you out of a seventy five dollar ticket, right? I guess not. I mean, I guess it's points on your license. That's probably the bigger deal, right? It's a big deal. Like, who knows how fast he was speeding? Maybe it's like a bunch of points and he's going to lose his license. We know he gets a lot of tickets. So, yeah. All right, so he says, can you tell me in your own words what happened on uh, September 10th? Yes. Which is my Which, wife's so maybe, birthday. So if this was September 10th, then maybe the milk was only a week old. Maybe, you know, 
maybe when they filmed this episode, they didn't know the exact air date of the show. So mm-hmm. maybe the milk wasn't two weeks old. Yes. Um, so he, so he says, what do you mean my own words, right? Who, whose words are they going to be? Yeah. Uh, and, and Newman says, you know what I mean? But, uh, Kramer's got no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> and, and so now Kramer's doing the, I'm surprised the other guy, if there is another guy, isn't saying like, you know, Lee, you know, objection, your honor, he's leading the witness. Cause he's just trying to tell Kramer what happened. And clearly Kramer's having none of it, but why doesn't he say like, oh, he, you know, why doesn't he incorporate the uh the concussion into his defense so he tried to kill himself and he hit his head right exactly he tried oh. to kill himself he hit his head and and like you could tell like oh even if kramer hadn't hit his head you know you could almost think that kramer hit his head because he's so weird so it would have been a slam dunk defense yeah that's why he should have hired you to be his lawyer yeah i don't know i mean i, I like what would he have paid me 74 dollars mm-hmm. yeah and so hey that's your thing akiva if you don't win the case you don't have to pay me uh yeah but I, I think that's for the the uh that's the plaintiff usually right that's not the defender like the def- the defense attorney doesn't work for free unless you win i don't think that's i don't think any defense attorney in the world does that <laughs> i thought that's what you do as a defense attorney i mean i i like I, i'm not a lawyer but uh yeah you know didn't you say I, if, I will, if you if don't you, if you don't like review then then you'll pay them Oh, so I, I will pay people, right? But not for, yeah, I will pay people for unimportant things. Okay. Also, I'm cheap, so it'll be, you know, very little money. All right. So anyway, <laughs> the case ends up going sour like the milk. And uh, the judge ends up uh, saying that Newman owes $75. Uh, yeah. And I, the principle of it is more to Newman than the money. Yeah. What do you think of this physical comedy uh, that where Newman is like trying to choke Kramer and then Kramer like, struggles and knocks over the flagpole and it hits the judge my guess would be how many my first question would be how many takes did did they need for the flagpole to hit the judge in the head (laughs) unless there's a guy back there that you can't see who's sort of pushing the flagpole into the judge's head it's actually pretty impressive yeah um it's funny it's funny yeah i think this is good you know when you're asking michael richards to do physical comedy he's gonna deliver all right so let's go back to monks and now it's nighttime and now the cop is getting coffee and uh, Jerry comes over. He's like, oh, really? This is too much. Now you're drinking coffee. Right. He's, now he's just waving his face. Like clearly he just doesn't want to help because he could just go out, help Jerry and come back and have coffee. You know, it's kind of crazy though. The cop like goes outside, he leaves. And then it is like, Jerry's like, Oh wait, where did he go? Yeah. So where do you think the cop went? <laughs> well, he went outside and he was giving Newman a ticket. And like the whole thing was like Jerry was waiting for the cop to go outside so that he could see uh, if crazy Joe Davola was there. But I guess that did Jerry feel like because crazy Joe Davola didn't kill Kramer that he must not be outside. Yeah. M- m- yeah. Maybe like because when they say he's not there, I think that's like to let the viewer know that, you know, he's not actually there. Yeah. But there's no sort of like interaction between Jerry and the police officer. Like, oh, OK, thank you, officer. He's not here anymore. So I guess I can leave now. Thank you for nothing. Right. Well, normally I'd say they only have 22 minutes, but this episode is like five hours. So they had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, So here comes Kramer and Newman and Newman has a red car. We learn which is getting a ticket. Uh, Yeah. Newman is a ticket guy. And we know Kramer, of course, is a big, you know, scofflaw that he gets a lot of tickets. But Newman is also there's certain guys in the city who just who, you know, who I I knew a person in the city who got their car impounded like every three months. It was just a guy. he would say like, it's the price of doing business in New York city. Like I'm going to run in, you know, go into some bank or pay some bill and 
every few months my car is going to be impounded. I'm going to have to, you know, pay money to get it back. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Actually, his wife would have to go get it back. So it was, he had a good deal. (laughs) And then finally, so as they're going out of monks, uh, that we're seeing that Newman is getting the ticket. Also, uh, who asks George, how much do you make for a pilot? Uh, Newman says like, what, how do you make, you know, you make 50 grand, 60 grand, which was their guest beforehand. And so, uh, George said, well, the money's not important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, you know, George doesn't care about money at all. Yeah. All right, and then the episode is going to uh, wrap up. We're going to find out that uh, we have a witness for this next case. Yeah, Kramer, who, you know, has still not been to a doctor as far as we know. Yes. Um, and then the episode ends with some stand-up of uh, going to traffic school, Akiva. Yeah, it's a pretty weird uh, stand-up. It's actually one of my least favorite. What do you yeah. think about it? Yeah, did you ever have to go to traffic school? No. I did online traffic school. Oh, really? I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And then one time I had to do it for my boss. My boss like made me to do it for him. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, that's pretty funny. I imagine you were much younger. When I did traffic school or when I did uh, traffic school for my boss? For your boss. I feel like that's something that... Oh, did you do it recently? It was like, it was like uh, probably like eight years ago. Oh, but also maybe if it was the online traffic school you yeah. had to do for your boss? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's fine. So he just maybe didn't know how to use a computer and he's like, Sister Nino, sign in. And no, he, knew how to use it. he didn't want to do it. Okay. I mean, all right. I guess that's reasonable. Yeah. He's like, I don't feel like doing it. You do it. All right. So Akiva. Yeah. Tell us, how would this episode have been different in 2015? Is there anything? All right. So, well, first of all, usually, you know, it's amazing that everybody's making contact. You know, uh, Jerry's mother is calling NBC. Newman's getting, you know, Kramer and Newman are getting a hold of each other, allegedly. How would it be different, though? I feel like. Kramer would be more aware or the people around Kramer would be more aware of, uh, of, of the concussion and they'd probably be more nervous about it. Um, I don't know how, how else I feel like it's much easier um, in 2015 for a doctor on vacation to give a patient their meds. Like it was probably impossible for this doctor in Paris to get medicine to crazy Joe, but I feel like nowadays it would be possible be easier. Yeah, it would, be, it would be a lot easier for sure. Okay. Um, other than that, I feel like the episode holds up. Okay. Yeah, it holds up very well. I think it's cool to see this, you know, pilot stuff uh, in play because it's sort of like this uh, inside world you never get to see. Uh, yeah, I think it holds up pretty well. Okay. All right. Then let's talk about where this goes in your rankings. Okay. So uh, like I said, I'm going to rank them separately. Uh, I do, Did you think one episode was better than the other? Yes. I think that the pitch is much better than the ticket. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the pitch is considered a better episode than the ticket also, according to the ratings I'm seeing. Um, I think the, the the ticket, if you love the Newman stuff, I guess the ticket is good. But uh, the pitch, the, the meat fun, of... but it's not yeah, it's like, fun. oh it's, my it's God, not bad. I love it. it. Yeah, it's better than like the season two stuff. But I, I think uh, if you really, you know, the meat of the episode is, is in the pitch. So I'm going to give the pitch a better grade. Uh, the pitch is 51. Okay. And uh, I have the ticket at 79. Okay. Uh, 78, excuse me, 78. 78, okay. All right, you want to get into some emails? Yeah. Okay. Um, here are a couple of emails about uh, this week's show. Uh, David Allen uh, writes to us and says, Hey, guys, just listen to the trip podcast. And sorry, Rob, you may have to give the point to Akiva on this. Uh, my dad's a state trooper, and at least his unit gets to take the cars home overnight. Usually it's when they work early the next day, but never- nevertheless... So how about yeah, that? Yeah, but state state troopers have a different uh, sort of 
uh, you know, a di- different deal than maybe like a classic NYC, you know, cop. Yeah. But I, I mean, that makes sense. Listen, the bus drivers get to take home the buses. I stand by what I say. We're having no knowledge. I feel like some cops somewhere get to take their car, their car home. Okay. Um, here, For sure, the sheriff gets to take his car home. Here's a question from uh, Johnny DeSavera wants to say, uh, I want to help explain how golf carts work at the airports. Each airline owns a number of golf carts, and they are mostly used to transport handicapped, injured, or the elderly to the gates. VIPs have other means of getting to their gates. Okay. What would those means be? Well, I'm not exactly sure. All right, and he, yeah. So, uh, so Johnny knows what he's talking about. I, 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 yeah. I think, I think um, that you. Yeah, that's pretty. You know, like how do you? I don't know. I, VIPs. Do you think they have like a whole separate outside thing where they're driving around in like outside golf carts and they're just going know. straight to the plane? I think they probably have uh, either Segway or hoverboard. I mean, if you're a real VIP, you're flying private, right? Oh, well, that's if you're uh, a BVIP. <laughs> if that, you're at least getting NetJet or something. Yeah. All right. Also, Johnny tells us, uh, as I told you guys, uh, Keith Morrison is Matthew Perry's stepdad, not his father-in-law. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Messed that one. All right. Um, all right. So a question from Johnny DeSavera wants to say, uh, why do you think they didn't give Crazy Joe Devola a middle name like serial killers usually have? Well, his middle name is Joe. <laughs> yes, he has three names. Uh, yeah, all serial killers have three names, but uh, even though they don't call him crazy, maybe just once in this episode, uh, he's Crazy Joe Devola. That's what he's known as. He's got three names. Yes. Also, uh, a couple of notes from Giant DeSavera. With inflation, Newman's ticket would now be $124.93. All right. Then now, now when you say it like that, it sounds like a lot more than 75 bucks. And also with inflation, Susan's dry cleaning would cost $30 and 93 cents. That's a lot of money for dry cleaning. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Um, all right. Then let's take a question from Chester. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, Kramer and John McEnroe have more in common than they realize both enjoy laughing at freaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we listen curb to your enthusiasm joke. Yes. When listening to the things he does in life, George mentions reading twice. That's a lot of reading for a guy who doesn't read. I guess he's reading those Lupica columns several times. He likes the daily news. Yes. <laughs> so that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, I don't think George is a book reader. Yeah, he reads the paper. That's a uh, newspaper. Yeah, probably from, I mean, he's got nowhere to go, so he probably reads cover to cover, even Ann Landers. Yes. All right, Akiva. And that is it. We have made it through another two-part episode of Seinfeld. Oh, man. These two-parters are really... Uh, they're, they're a grind. They take a lot out of us. It's tough to do. Yeah, yeah, okay. I gotta. I have to start working out, you know, for, for these two parts. gotta start getting in training. All right. So, next week, what are we doing, Akipa? Well, uh, it's funny you bring it up because there's... Uh, technically, there's another, uh, there's another two-parter, although, again, it could be split up. Uh, we have the wallet and the watch. How connected are the two episodes? Uh, they were called part one and part two. But they were aired in separate weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then let's split it up. I, I think I think that's a wise decision. Yeah. I think these are a little, uh, you know, tough to get through all of the details. Uh, all in yeah, one I, show. I agree. I agree. And we're both getting old. You know, these these podcasts are hard. All right. So next week, just the wallet. Yeah. All right. So there you go. All right. Send us your emails to Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com. 
com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Uh, thanks to Mike Moore for the recaps and Scott St. Pierre for the editing on these shows. Keep a great job this week. Right back at you. All right. Take care, buddy. Bye.